0: Hey, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank. And today I'm joined by Hellilore, creator of GenFanad. How you doing, man?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing excellent. Can you explain for the folks at home what GenFanad is?
1: Uh, So GenFanad came from basically two inspirations. One is a hobby project uh, where I was playing around during my day job as a software engineer, just learning new technologies and Mm -hmm. being like, well, these guys 20 years ago created an MMO in their garage. How hard can it be? Yeah. And here I am two and a half years later with a whole team behind me. Gen is one of the, the best way to describe it is it's one of the new entries in the whole retro revival movement. So if you're familiar with Ukulele, Bloodstained, uh, all of those games that were created by people with small or no connection to the original properties and just creating a game that inspired them as children or that inspired them growing up. Gen is basically our take on what RuneScape Classic uh, would have been like if it was created uh, these days. Many people are familiar with RuneScape these days as a large uh, MMORPG that Mm -hmm. uh, has some pretty wonky mechanics. They recently introduced the concept of old school RuneScape, which is basically a revival of their 2005 era. That's not what we're going for. We're actually going even deeper into the past. And back in two thousand one, when RuneScape was a little Java application with some wonky sprites wandering around in a three D world, back before the concept of MMOs was even really well established. Back before World of Warcraft.
0: Yeah, it was the wild west of of that era. You know, I'm a big World of Warcraft fan, and of course, RuneScape always gave a nod to it. Uh, it does definitely have that, like crafting first, and you're you're building the narrative and the story through communicating with with others uh what about runescape did you want to bring and other games like it did you want to bring forward into your own
1: one of the things that most in uh the most inspired me was the fact that you can go you can log in you can go into this uh extra you can go into the second world and you could do whatever you want and whatever progress you made was always kept you mm-hmm. would never be wasting time or doing something that is suboptimal you would just play and your numbers would keep going up it was a very relaxing experience at the time And one of the most, one of the stories that I most really love about that time uh, when I played it is early mornings, Monday mornings, when you would be playing and the little yellow text would pop up that says system is going offline for update. We want to bring that feeling to new players of actual uncertainty. What is going to come out? What is the new thing that we're going to explore? What is the new thing that I'm going to be able to do that's going to be cool? A lot of games these days uh, focus on quarterly or yearly release cycles. If they even do have any post-release content, as an indie studio, we have the opportunity to actually do something different and actually bring the concept of weekly updates, weekly content updates uh, to our players. How
0: far out do you plan those weekly updates? Because I know that's something that your, your community is big on.
1: Uh, right now, we're currently in our beta uh, process for our Kickstarter backers, and we're figuring out what... The edges that our team can create, how long Mm -hmm. it takes to create updates, how we can manage having multiple updates being developed at the same time, uh, how many bugs we find, and how how the QA system works. It's basically the further into the future you go, the less certain it becomes. So I know when our game is planning to launch. I know the first four to to eight updates uh, that are going to happen after the launch. And I know the high level themes of basically every month up through the middle of next year. And our team is contributing to that. And we're trying to figure out the best way to actually deliver on the promise of weekly content updates without overwhelming ourselves.
0: Yeah, that is that is quite the quite the check to sign off on. So I like you said you monthly themes. Is that kind of the idea? Like we're gonna have pirate theme this month?
1: From a high level, uh that's how we're breaking it up so that we don't have to there's the concept of an empty canvas that all artists are always uh, both fascinated by and terrified of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when you have an empty sheet in front of you and you don't know what to draw, it's very difficult. But as soon as you draw the first line as a constraint, your mind starts thinking and it starts being more creative. Right. And having the high level themes are basically our way of putting some structure on the uncertainty. In the case of the world map and in the case of the world of New Blandia that we're currently working on, the first continent is actually almost complete in terms of a map design perspective. So we know which areas are going to be coming out. We don't know when they're going to happen. We don't know what's going to be in them necessarily, but we know this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. For other things like quest content, or even more specifically game design and monster balance and things like that, those are a lot more up to the minute so that we can react to players saying, hey, this monster doesn't feel right, or mm-hmm. hey, this monster doesn't feel worth it to fight. Let's buff it. Hey, this monster seems to be dropping too much. Let's nerf it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like that. The, the, the ability from an indie developer, somebody who's dedicated as you, is you're able to quickly respond, and the player doesn't have to wait for the next Tuesday to get an update, and, and hopefully that works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. That is nice to have.
1: One of the games that we're looking at specifically for that type of update methodology is uh, Dota or Mm -hmm. League of Legends for uh, the more casual uh, folks among you. The concept of those patch notes that actually take and shuffle up every single part of the game. So if you look at Dota's patch notes, you can see like hundreds of different tiny changes that individually don't change very much, but taken as a whole, actually force people to rethink the things that they already know about the game. Exactly. This person gets plus one movement speed and this person gets minus three damage. Those are all tiny inconsequential changes, but when you have a hundred of them coming together, you basically have a new game to rediscover every week.
0: And, adjust, and the balancing adjusts uh, character selection and stuff like that, and, and how you approach uh, your foe. Uh, which even in PVE, when you're thinking about, you know, hey, this creature's dying too easy, stuff like that, it'll have you uh, reapproach that. This game's already mm-hmm. sounding amazing, and I'm excited to get my hands on it. Uh, what game did you grow up on? You had RuneScape. Was there any other games you were growing up on and really enjoying?
1: I come from the Nintendo side of things, yeah. so I enjoyed. Uh, actually, as a kid, I didn't actually didn't have the ability to play any consoles. I had uh, I had pretty strict uh, parents who yeah. didn't understand video games, so <laughs> we had a computer early on that we could download old uh, DOS games to that we can mm-hmm. play occasionally. But I have a distinct memory of two uh, two distinct memories of retro games. The first one was when my parents finally gave in and bought me my first. Uh, console, which was the Game Boy Color, and I got nice. a copy of Pokemon Red at the time. Nice. <laughs> uh, that I wore down so many batteries from uh, just playing that game at the time. Uh, and the second one uh, was uh, the first time when we went into Blockbuster and uh, we actually rented the N sixty four at the time. And the game that we chose was Pokemon Snap, where we could you could take the pictures and then go back to the store and get them yeah. printed out. Those two memories are crystallized distinct in my head they have nothing to do with the game i'm developing but that's the feeling of childhood wonder that we wanted to bring uh to the players of the game
0: well it it may not you know you might not see pokemon snap well i mean you never know there could be a content update guys one of these weeks and all of a sudden you're (laughs) taking pictures and stuff but that those fed into who you are the creator of this video game you then went off and decided to become uh you know a programmer and stuff like that What about video games pulled you out of that? Like You kind of wanted to go out on your own. What pulled you away?
1: So I'm actually not coming from a video game perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, Professionally, I've worked as a software engineer at various big companies to be able to learn and develop uh, things. Uh, After a decade in that business, I was playing around with video games as a hobby. And I thought, hey, uh, this might actually be something interesting. Uh, Yeah. I knew that I wanted to try to pursue this slightly more seriously when I was uh, sitting around just dinking around with a prototype and I, it was completely empty. Uh, there were some trees, there was a character, there was no purpose. It was a local copy of the game. There was yeah. no high scores. There was no character state save. And I found myself just clicking trees and hitting, listening to the funk and watching them turn into stumps. And I just felt that. Very relaxed, just doing that over and over again. I should have been coding. I should have been doing other things. Nope, I was just clicking trees. I know that the, that type of gameplay experience is not for everyone, and I know that there's a lot of cases where people have uh, outlets of similar things. But I thought that relaxing gameplay was just something that spoke to me at the time, and I thought that I bet people would like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's MMOs in general are not for everybody. MMORPGs, the dedication and the understanding that. Yeah, a relaxation in a game is required sometimes. And so you definitely have a fan base there that's going to be looking for that.
1: Uh, and interestingly enough, the MMOs actually have a pretty bad rap uh, these days. Uh, they're for people who have no lives that are for people to yeah. basically take a second job. Uh, EVE Online actually has a very, very strict uh, reputation in that regard where it's basically a spreadsheet simulator. And I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Uh, MMOs as a gameplay element are something that people can do for small bursts of time. Uh, The whole concept of you have this character and it just levels up with you is something that is appealing to the wider market. Games like Animal Crossing have been very successful. Games like Farmville have been very successful in the past just by taking these small goals and repetitive tasks and making them appealing for players. We kind of want to position ourselves as not a hardcore experience at all. Uh, all of the marketing we've been doing have been, has been basically humorous, has been taking a piss out of MMOs in general and uh, industry trends as well. Yeah. And we want to make it so that you can play Genfanod as a casual player, as someone who's a new parent who has five minutes between tasks uh, holding their kids, they can go in and click some trees. Yeah. As someone who goes in and wants to spend 20 minutes just doing a new quest, that type of gameplay. MMOs have r- historically been very much all in. You have to go in and you have to spend a large chunk of your life just to be successful. Yeah. We want to try to avoid that at all. Well.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, people, the term min-maxing, You know, we want to make sure that you're as competitive as possible or else you feel like you're not doing it. It's nice to be able to have an outlet where you're just enjoying yourself, which is what games are for.
1: <laughs> yep, RuneScape had the concept, uh, community concept of XP waste, and that is absolutely not something we want to encourage.
0: What in current MMOs need to be changed, or are you trying to address through your game outside of just the XP waste?
1: You mentioned you're a World of Warcraft player, and one of the uh, flaws that I see in World of Warcraft design, uh, and this isn't necessarily a flaw, obviously every game designer is building towards their constraints and their audience and their specific requirements, but as a player, uh, one of the things that I see in World of Warcraft is this didn't actually exist when it Uh, first came out, but as new expansions came out and as the content curve and as the uh, new content was created at higher levels, they basically requested or forced uh, players to churn through all of their existing content just so that they can catch up to their friends and they can do the end game raids and the end game multiplayer experiences. In my mind, that early game content, the low level uh, case where you're just building up to a new sword where you're trying when you're not optimal where you don't know the best strategies where you're exploring and trying to figure out what in my mind those are the best experiences and oh, yeah. trying to rush through them is something that i don't like seeing
0: yeah yeah there's a kind of a speed run vibe that a lot of people have nowadays and it, speaking to world of warcraft it took them what 17 years to put in a system that that negates most of the game so people can catch it to their friends and even mm-hmm. that is by no means perfect it's still there's always something to be fixed over there which but there is something to mmo players that i, I want to add is one of the big benefits to this is say I, I just beat stray for example games done it was great there goes my 30 dollars. but i have characters on like world of warcraft and other mmos that have been there since 2004 and uh-huh. it's like a D character right where the D D uh-huh. character means so much to you will the people playing genforad be able to have that connection and extended life with their characters
1: People generally get an attachment to things that they do for a long time, whether that be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Sun-cost fallacy is a thing, but the fact that you have a character that has your your chosen name, your chosen appearance, and you interact with the world as it grows, as it expands, uh, means that players will have a chance to build those attachments. If someone wants to create another character for role-playing, that is a, absolutely great. We have a character, we have a uh, player right now who's uh, role-playing in the Discord as a lover of pineapples, and <laughs> they love it whenever we release a pineapple content, and they hate it whenever we create a recipe that where people eat pineapples. <laughs> Those types of wonky interactions are always going to happen, and are, are always part of the richness of a community, a part of the richness of the people playing.
0: Yeah, I love that. The community behind this game is. So unique and, and really passionate. It's just wonderful. Um, all right, let's go ahead and let's focus on uh, Jen Fanod. What, how, what's the size of the map going in? I know you already said you got the the, the first content uh, continent planned, but how big is that map?
1: As part of the whole, uh, as part of the process where we're trying to reach weekly updates, we're actually breaking up the content and trying to establish a release pipeline such that we give people the feeling of a world that is being expanded rather than them jumping into something that is already. complete. So different parts of the world are at different stages of completion. We start with the theme and the area of generic fantasy, things that you would see in various uh, light novel series today, where you're an adventurer, you get this armor, you kill a slime or a rat, and you just keep building up your character with a bit of a, a corporate, uh, corporate fourth wall breaking uh, yeah, humor. Yeah, it's funny. Well. I love it. <laughs> and we actually have, uh, we've just revamped the tutorial and we have the cliche employees uh, rushing the adventures through their new simulated experience. And then we have the bankers that are, uh, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of maps, we are starting relatively small, relatively self-contained, such that we can focus on the details of those maps. Uh, so starting with the fantasy, uh, generic fantasy, expanding into the spooky area of the Coston Ridge, which is our mountain Halloween uh, mummies, zombies, skeletons, uh, that type of inspiration. Yeah. Expanding into fairy tales to another direction, expanding into the American Midwest. So, like actual Westerns and gunslingers and cowboys and satyrs and things like that, as well as magic schools, the American colonies, uh, Innsmouth, Lovecraftian inspired areas, uh, Canada. uh, And so, and also, we're basically mining every single piece of pop culture that we can for all of the inspirations. One other game that we're actually looking at uh, for inspiration that is not in our genre at all, but Magic the Gathering has Mm -hmm. existed for uh, 30 years now. And they have consistently delivered four four yearly expansions over and over again, uh, while still having the same game design uh, core. Yeah. We would love to have something like that be our legacy.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... Those are great people to idolize right there. That's a good call. Wizards of the Coast, they did a great job. I really like that idea of each zone being so unique because not only does the player identify with their character, but now, because they're so unique, they can start to identify with the zone. Like, oh yeah, I'm from, you know, cowboy area. And so I defend and rep cowboy area. It just, that's fun to me. I really like that idea.
1: Uh, In RuneScape, there was actually a a set of YouTubers that were doing uh, various challenges. Like one person said, I'm going to live in Mauritania, and I'm going to do all of the Mauritania content without ever leaving. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that again goes back to the community. People are creative. People are going. People are always going to funnel that creativity in interesting ways, and I can't wait to see what people do with what we build.
0: Uh, speaking of the players, this is a uh, kind of like Runescape as well. This is a crafting focused game, correct?
1: I wouldn't necessarily call it that. We've okay. put a lot of effort to make sure that the crafting gameplay loop is as compelling as it, and as interesting as various combat gameplay loops have been in other games. Yeah. Things like our forging system, for example, aren't just take a bar and turn it into an item. We actually have a nice, interesting uh, skill tree where there's a lot of intermediate items. Every different type of item that you craft has... Uh, success uh, has success and failure rates and you can make a yeah. high quality medium quality or low quality version of them and that way if you want to make a high quality giant sword uh, which might be the culmination of your origin experience you're actually going to have to work for it just like you're going to have to work for killing a big boss or figuring out the mechanics and taking down an interesting quest
0: that's more complicated than some of modern mmos so <laughs> success already right there uh-huh. Uh, you have 16 skills and 30 planned. Can you give us just a few of the skills to kind of give us an idea of what we're looking at?
1: Uh, so, of course, we're going to have the standard uh, fantasy uh, equivalent of mining and smithing and uh, making bows and uh, making cloth armor, tailoring. We're, what we've basically done is we've taken the list of uh, medieval professions, uh, both fantasy and real life, mm-hmm. and we've taken an approach to try to figure out how to group them together into chunks of tasks that would make sense together. So, for example, we've created the skill called Artistry, which represents, well, being artistic. And uh, in that skill, we've grouped together uh, pottery, jewelry, crafting, uh, paper making, uh, drawing, things like that. As pe- when people look at the game, they're basically going to see, well, this looks like RuneScape. You can't really get too far from mining and smithing and combat and things like that. Uh, Some of the things that we definitely want to get into the future and things that we've prototyped and implemented parts of already are things like uh, sailing, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, The closest inspiration to to how we're going to be doing sailing is from the Pokemon games. um, In the early games, you could surf, Mm -hmm. where you would actually just basically walk around on water and be able to access all of these different areas. That's something that players are really excited for, where you can actually Get into a sailboat and walk around on water. What is outside of where they expect? What are some of the things they can discover there?
0: Yeah, hidden areas, uh, especially with the weekly updates, that's going to even be more. Just be like, oh, let's go see what's over here now.
1: Additionally, some uh, things that we're basically thinking through are alchemy, which are potions for uh, with like quick use effects or uh, thick, small bursts of performance, uh, for whether that be for combat or for skills uh things like bounty hunter which are is a oh, wow. alternate game loop uh where you uh, are basically told which monsters to hunt down and you get bonuses for completing tasks rather than just going and grinding 500 cows just to level up yeah uh things like uh treasure hunting things like music uh things like astrology uh basically what we have is we implemented the simple straightforward skills that are needed to build up your character and we have a lot of brainstorming and a lot of long-term ideas for what are other parts of the game design that would make for compelling content
0: yeah and i like how you're focusing on game looks like with the bounty hunting uh it's so important and oftentimes not spoken about and especially in mmos i mean it's so important and i'm glad that you're focusing on that that's pretty cool all right so i know you're working hard on this game it is a big passion of yours what kind of team have you built around this
1: one of the things about uh, building a team of uh, as an indie studio is that uh, you get an opportunity to work with people who uh, are all over the world, who are remote, who have all sorts of different cultural inspirations, who have different backgrounds, who can contribute in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our team is actually very distributed around the world. Uh, we have uh, a large portion of Canadians for some reason, but we also have people from the Philippines, people from Europe, uh, and so and so forth. Basically, anywhere you can throw a dart at a board, you can probably find one of our team members. Yeah, Uh, we have a nice variety of uh, we have a nice variety of freelance uh, freelance work of various different styles. So the game is going to come together in a slightly eclectic way, where some parts won't necessarily match and different. Uh, areas might have slightly different visual inspirations and slightly different uh, art styles. Uh, And that's part of the charm, uh, in my opinion. I think having a large, diverse uh, group of individuals all contributing their own voices to the game lets it speak louder than something that is just prescribed from up above.
0: Yeah, it feels too washed out when you do that. So I like that idea Mm -hmm. of every little thing there. Uh, And then you're Seattle-based, right?
1: Uh, I'm pers- I personally live in Seattle, but I think I'm the only one on the team from, uh, okay. from from Seattle, and I'm actually one of only two to three Americans on the team.
0: Yeah, that's amazing that this game is being developed all remotely. It's so cool uh, to see. Um, where did you? Where did this community build up? Where did you find your your talent?
1: Uh, so it actually came from uh, just putting the word out and searching for uh, people to uh, contribute. Some people. Uh, discovered the game organically and uh, joined the team from there, uh, and others uh, responded to various uh, job ads that I posted.
0: Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about as well is, is this is going to be able to be played in the browser, which means it could also be on tablet and phone. Is that correct?
1: Uh, we're currently building it with web technologies um, so that we can push it to tablets and phones. It doesn't we have it running on the Steam Deck, we have it okay. running on phones, but it doesn't quite work perfectly. There's still going to be a lot of work in order to bring a fully-fledged mobile experience to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I mentioned before, from the casual audience perspective, it is definitely our goal that people can just pick it up on their phone and just play it for a couple of minutes at a time. That's perfect. Uh, That's definitely part of the audience. We're starting on the browser, we're starting on Steam as those are the biggest uh, those cover the biggest subset of the audience, mm-hmm. but we absolutely want to bring it uh, wherever it makes sense.
0: I love the idea of where you got to break at work and then you just check in and cut down a couple of trees, hop out. That's perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. How can people find you and your community and, and get involved?
1: Uh, so our community is primarily on uh, Discord today. So people who have some time can check in and uh, look at the game, dev- game as it's being developed, uh, jump in. Uh, right now we're running a closed beta, but mm-hmm. uh, once the game releases, you can jump into the game, you can talk to other players, you can uh, interact with the community there. Uh, and all of the links are, of course, on our website at uh where uh, you can see all of the different uh, social media accounts, you can see the news posts that we're posting, uh, and you can create an account yourself uh, for when the game is ready.
0: We'll make sure to include those links in the description of this podcast as well, guys, so you guys can poke around and, and get involved as well. Uh, Jen Fanade, Generic Fantasy Adventure. I love that name. It takes a bit to get used to. <laughs> my my tongue <coughs> keeps tripping on itself, but it's great. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope everybody goes and checks this thing out. Thank you very much for joining me. All
1: right, thank you very much for hosting.
0: All right, guys, please go check this out. Again, the link's in the description, uh, and then come on by next week. All right, guys, Bye.